Well, everybody, it is 2024, and as far as I know, we still don't have flying cars, but somehow I think we'll make it through this year together. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast here at Redmond Presbyterian Church that we call In Process because we are always learning and in process together, always growing. My name is Austin Ashenbrenner. I'm the pastor here at Redmond Pres, and I'm glad to be able to be your host this day and this new year and and, and this this season. Uh, we are just back from a, a break with the podcast. I think our last episode was uh, early December or late November. So we've been off for a few weeks and I've been thinking a little bit about uh, episodes to come and I've got some lined up for these coming weeks and months that I'm excited about. And I hope you uh, continue to join us here. First of all, thank you for those of you who tune in, those of you here at RPC and perhaps those of you beyond our community, we're, we're grateful. It's, it's, this is a a fun and a light way for us to be able to keep in touch and to interact and to keep some of these important conversations alive. Uh, in the coming weeks, I, uh, I have an episode planned where we're going to talk about uh, some stand-up comedians that I've been watching and listening to and, and, and learning from them as they uh, work on their craft together. And I think what we can learn from that about how we might live in, in community, uh, it's some interesting stuff. Um, we are continuing in our year-long series uh, here at church about learning about rest and renewal. And that takes us in the direction of, uh, of a new sermon series this, this winter that uh, will focus on uh, Walter Brueggemann's book, Sabbath as Resistance. And so that's where we're going to start. I want to tell you a little bit about the the series that's coming for the next six or eight weeks as we dig into that book and the the scriptures that that it uh, helps us read. Uh, pr- uh, primarily the the Old Testament scriptures of of Exodus and Deuteronomy and, and and these places that we don't often travel in in scripture. But let me back up a second and say um, it is the new year, and with that comes. Uh, as we all know, uh, New Year's resolutions. And in the past couple weeks, I have already taken a couple uh, easy pot shots at New Year's resolutions because, uh, let's be honest, they are um, our best of intentions, but 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 they're easy to poke fun at because, uh, well, some of these statistics. Let me let me just share this with you. Um, on average. of Americans make New Year's resolutions the night before the new year. This is not uh, a tradition that that we came up with. This dates back uh, all the way to the the early Roman Empire. But 44% of Americans, that's that's millions of people every year, make uh, a promise to themselves on December 31st that uh, the coming year is going to be different. And, and, and here's how. Uh, here are four of the most popular types of New Year's resolutions. You won't be surprised by any of these. Uh, they are to, to exercise more, to eat better or to eat well, to lose weight. Those, two, those three kind of go together, I feel like. To lose weight and to save more money. So exercise, eat well, lose weight, save money. Maybe you are a resolution person and and yours is in that list. So 44% of Americans make resolutions, some of them uh, in that that top four. And 
of that 44%, so however many million of people though that includes, only 8% of people actually achieve their resolutions. Um, I've, I've heard other statistics that, that uh, something like the majority of New Year's resolutions have been uh, abandoned by uh, you know January 15th or February 1st. Um, but instead of just poking fun at New Year's resolutions or just uh, taking easy shots at them, I want to also say for just a second that there's a lot about New Year's resolutions that are fantastic. That, that, that represent the best of us, right? A New Year's resolution at its core is about hope, right? It's about the, the, the hope that, that things will be better, that, that there is the possibility of a better uh, tomorrow than there is today. There's, there's a sense of hope that is infused in the idea of a resolution, um, especially when resolutions are about things like, like you know, greater relational connections. You know, if, if a resolution has to do with, I want to write letters to my friends or I want to, you know, reach out to a family member once a week or whatever it is, those are wonderful goals and, and, and things that, you know, even if we don't make it all the way through the year, we should applaud that idea that, um, that here's a moment where we take a second to, to be intentional about uh, these sorts of connections. And then similar to that idea of hope, New Year's resolutions also open us up to the possibility or, or the reality of transformation, right? That that by by simply saying I want to exercise more, or I want to lose weight, we're we're leaning into that space where we believe that the change and transformation is real and it's possible and it is something that that happens in our lives. And so certainly when we talk about the work that God is doing in our lives, we 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 hold that up to to be true that that change and transformation is a real thing. It's not something that we should be jaded about and, and scoff at and say, yeah, you know, that that never happens or, or that's just going to go by the wayside. So New Year's resolutions are, there's the good and the bad and the ugly. Sure, there's there's lots of things we could say about them. Uh, but what I want to talk about today as a, as a segue into our winter sermon series is this idea that I think at their core, uh, New Year's resolutions uh, and and the the topic of Sabbath, which we are going to spend uh, the entire next six weeks uh, really doing a deep dive on with this Walter Brueggemann book. I don't think New Year's resolutions and Sabbath uh, play well together. I don't know if they get along very well, even with all those wonderful things I said about hope and transformation, which which are true. I think there's another part of New Year's resolutions, if I can go back to the other side of the coin for a second, that we want to be aware of. And that is, even though there is this sense of, of hope for a new, a new year to be better and, and hope for progress, I think New Year's resolutions have the tendency also to push us in the direction of a kind of anxiety about uh, earning our, our space, right? Like earning our lot in life, that if we just in this next year try harder, hit the gym more often, uh, really cramp clamp down on you know our 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 frivolous spending or whatever, that that we can somehow right the ship of our lives, that we can somehow you know find our way towards uh, some version of perfection. All we have to do is 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 do a little more, try a little harder. Uh, 
pursue a little bit um, uh, higher, right? And and I want to read this quote from from Walter Brueggemann, uh, since we are going to spend a lot of time in his book uh, this year. Again, the book is Sabbath, is Sabbath as Resistance, uh, saying no to the culture of now by Walter Brueggemann. I highly recommend it. I'd be happy to share the the link with uh, with you if you'd like. But he says this about uh, this underlying anxiety. He says, uh, rooted in our Reformation and Enlightenment categories, these things have created a contemporary circumstance in our society that generates an endless pursuit of greater security and greater happiness, a pursuit that is always unsatisfied because we have never gotten or done enough, not yet. He says the the other gods of this system are the gods of market ideology that summon us to endless desires and needs that are never met, but that always require yet greater effort. And when I read that those words, I I think to myself that that sounds an awful lot like what lies beneath our our sense of of resolutions or or promises to ourselves for the the year ahead. It's this idea that if we just do a little bit more that we might, you know, somehow achieve um, perfection. And, 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 and deeper than that, we might somehow find ourselves uh, lovable, that we might earn, um, you know, our, our worthiness in, in the eyes of others. And so why does that not play well with Sabbath? Brueggemann is going to point out, and we're going to study as we look at Scripture, as we pay attention to what uh, what we understand from Scripture about the Sabbath, is that Sabbath is is this not just this one day off a week that that sometimes we we minimize it to, but as he says, it is a it is subversive in that it is a divestment from. Uh, commodity toward an investment in neighborly engagement. So he says the whole heart of Sabbath is this idea that that we don't that we are not created by God to produce certain things, widgets or 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 spreadsheets or or bottom lines. We are created by God to experience relationship, to be in relationship with each other, with God, with with the the, the creation around us, with the community around us that we are created for relationship. And so Sabbath draws us back to the heart of that reality of, of, of neighborliness, as, as Brueggemann says, of, of connection with one another. And it, and it resists, or it says no to, the anxiety that we experience by having to always be producing. Uh, it resists the status quo of always saying, uh, you know, everything is about what what we make or, or judging others on on what they produce uh, we'll talk in in future weeks about how the Sabbath resists the idea of of being exclusive right it's all about drawing others in welcoming the neighbor and the stranger and even the enemy um, that Sabbath is at its very core a resistance to the idea of of just endless busyness right that um, that it calls us to a different kind of of presence. With one another, and that res- and that Sabbath also resists this idea of of objectification, right? That you are not uh, an object in my world; that that it just exists to to give me what I need, and and I am not an object in your world that just exists 
to give you what you need. We are full-fledged 3D human beings with uh, you know all all of the that is attached to that, and we are designed to live in connection. So Sabbath, New Year's resolutions, I don't think these two things are polar opposites or that you know they they hate each other or that one is is all bad. But I do think that as we dig deeper on, into this idea, into the heart of uh, God's gift of Sabbath rest for us and all that it means, as it continues to draw us into this idea of neighborliness, of connection with the other, I think we'll begin to start to, to sense um, a pushback on the anxiety that, that we talk about when we think of New Year's resolutions and always doing more and achieving more in the coming year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can think of lots of examples of how there are times where uh, a connection with a neighbor um, is a powerful and poignant thing. I like to, as you know, make bread, and oftentimes I'll bake bread and, and give bread out to my neighbors, and it's a fun way to connect and, and break the ice and get to know them. Um, but I have found in my experience that those moments where I know who my neighbors are, where I know a little bit about them and, and their needs or, or, or what's going on in their lives, that my experience of, of living in my home and my neighborhood is, is far richer, right? Because all of a sudden those people across the street are not these unknown strangers that, that I should be leery of, but they are uh, people with names and stories and, and people that, um, that I understand that that God loves and, and that I'm called to love. I'm just scratching the surface on this idea of, of neighborliness, and it's far bigger than I think any of us in our North American context really know about or think about. I think sometimes we catch glimpses of, uh, of, of what a gift this can be. I think sometimes we have a, a unique or a rare experience where we get to see um, the gift of neighborliness. But I know that in our culture, this is something that we are going to want to um, stay with uh, over the long haul to learn more about uh, as we grow together. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks here at RPC. Um, I hope that you come and join us for worship on Sunday mornings or you keep checking back in with us on the podcast. Uh, we look forward to, to continuing this conversation together. In the meantime, please reach out and share your stories of, of neighborliness or maybe your stories of, of New Year's resolution and anxiety. We can learn either way. Uh, I look forward to, to hearing from you and, and continuing this together. All right, everybody. Happy New Year. Have a great week and we will see you back here soon.